0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. So good to see you this morning. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, for those of you that were with us during Christmas, I just want to say I'm building a bank of time because they were laughing last uh, Christmas during uh, New Year's. I was so short, they were like, man, we got all this extra time. So I'm building time so that I can just preach all day long. I just want you to know that, okay? So, uh, no. Uh, But today, I have the privilege of taking our next step in our series of miracles. And uh, I am excited to do that. Let me get set up here. You want to fix it? Are we good? I'll give you a topic, talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) All right. Thank you. So, today we uh, take our next step in the series of miracles. And I get the privilege to talk about the heart of the Father. Um, And I think it's one of the most important things that we can think about, uh, reflect on, and remember. Um, as we go through this, as we think about miracles and what what God has done for us. um, It is a beautiful thing. I love this quote, and it's by Augustine, and he says this. He says, I never have any difficulty believing in miracles since I experienced the miracle of change in my own heart. I don't know about you, but I know that when I came to know Jesus Christ as as a young child, about 12 years old, it was was very unique and very dynamic. Um, And it was very different. I knew that I needed a savior. I knew that I needed my life to change. Even at 12, I mean, how much trouble? I mean, I guess some people can get in some serious trouble, Pastor, at 12 years old. But I mean, for for me, you know, maybe a curse word here or there or something like that, or maybe a little anger. But when I gave my life to Jesus, it changed. And and I love this uh, from Augustine, because he kind of went through a period of his life where he looked at hedonism and all different kinds of things, and he finally came to the revelation that it was Jesus Christ who changes us. And it was a miracle, a transformation that happened in his own heart. We've all may have experienced that today, and maybe you haven't. And let me just invite you, before you leave today, experience that change in your heart. I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine. Um, This is Dean. Dean, I met Dean at Sunday Breakfast Mission about 11 years ago uh, when I was working there. And Dean came in for one of our evening chapel services. He was homeless. Him and probably 100-plus guys filed into an evening chapel service down at the mission. And um, I was the the speaker that evening. Normally, we have chapel guests. Chapel guests didn't show up to conduct the chapel service, so I was uh, on task to, to share the message. I presented a very simple message that just talked about how Christ wanted to change our life and how he wanted to help us move out of our suffering and move into purpose and direction for our life and that Jesus could help us do that. And as I wrapped up my message that, that evening, I, I made this statement. I said, if you, remember, there's about 100 plus guys sitting in this, this chapel area. I said, if you are ready to get off the fence about life and make a change Come see me. Out of all those men that were sitting there, Dean was the only guy who came and talked to me after service. And I got to share the gospel with him even more. And I led him to Christ. And Dean entered our program. And and he was totally transformed, totally changed by the message of Jesus. And to this day, Dean is doing an incredible thing because when, when I met Dean, he was homeless, he was dealing with substance abuse and alcohol, and he had a heart full of anger. And now when you talk to Dean, he's a deacon in his church, he, he's faithful in his job, he loves people, and, and he has completely been transformed by the message of Jesus Christ. He really experienced a miracle and a change in his heart. And the beauty of that is is that we find this transformation and this change in our verse for today. In Psalm 103, 13, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Let me read it again. The Lord is like a father to his children, Tender and compassionate. Friends, we have a loving father who is tender towards us. He is, he is tender and, and he is long-suffering and he is compassionate. And let me, let me just say this this morning. I didn't say this in the Saturday night service, but sometimes we as individuals in the families we grow up in, and situations we have, we may not have a concept of what a father is or a tender, compassionate father. Let me tell you, God is tender and compassionate, and He wants to bless your life, and He wants to meet you where you are. Wednesday night, um, John Reed, uh, John is on staff here, and uh, if you don't know John, I don't know how you you know you can't miss John. John is a lovely guy, incredible, a lot of fun. But John was sharing in our Wednesday night grow session called "Jesus Revealed." And, and he was talking about evangelism and how we need to get out and share our life with others. And, and John made this statement, and it just really pricked my heart. And I thought, man, we really need to think about this and, and really dial in on it. And, and it's this statement right here. He says, we are not meant to produce light. We're meant to reflect it as believers of Jesus. Right? We're meant to reflect it. And so to be an effective disciple, to be an effective follower of Jesus, I think it's paramount that we reflect the heart of the Father and that we display his love and compassion to others. Just like Pastor TJ was saying earlier, that that we recognize that, you know, God sees people not in their brokenness, but in what they can be. But they need someone to come alongside and reflect the Father to them. So here's my question. Do we reflect the heart of the Father? So what's the heart of the Father? Let's look at the verse again. He is tender and compassionate to those who fear him, who have reverence. What's the heart of the Father? The heart of the Father is compassion. Maybe many of us here, we, we know of a God who, who we, we think about that is angry right? He's, you know, maybe the picture of of Zeus, right? Sitting up there with his lightning bolt, just ready to, you know, that's not our heavenly father. He loves us. He cares for us. He has purpose and intent for us. The heart of the father is compassion. Look at this verse here. This is in the same passage. passage. This is Psalm 103.8. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in love. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. I don't know about you, but that's one of those areas where the Lord really has to work on me at times, especially when it comes to our children, because you're like, hurry up, let's go. We got to get it going. Come on. And you're like, you are just slow, and I am getting even slower, right? You know, <laughs> but, but the Lord, he, he walks with us, Right? He's he's abounding in love towards us, right? He's slow to get angry. What a beautiful picture. That word compassion in in the Hebrew, it means to love deeply. It means to have mercy, to be tender and affectionate. I love what dictionary.com, I just did a quick little Google search, and and dictionary.com, he says this. Uh, compassion, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by the desire to alleviate their suffering. A father has deep sympathy for those who are suffering, especially when it comes to their children. How many parents do we have here today? How many of you parents really love when you see your kids sick? Eh, wrong right? No, nobody's like, ooh, yay, that little booger, they deserve that. No, we're, we're not thinking that, right? When our kids are sick, oh my goodness, it just like tears us up, right? A father has deep sympathy for those who are suffering. Our daughter Hannah, this is her, um, I think she's about two, right? Two, maybe three there, hun. Yeah. And um, Hannah, when she was about 18 months old, we found out that she had a metabolic disorder. Don't know what it is. What, what eventually we found out, the doctor said in Mastis, uh, ketototic hypoglycemia. They said whenever Hannah got sick, if we had to go to the hospital, that was the phrase we were to use, and they knew that they needed to deal with her immediately. Right? But, but this sickness that Hannah had um, came from like not eating. She would not eat. Uh, the, the proteins in her body would build up. Um, her her glu- blood glucose would go down, and it would make her actually get sick she, to the point that she would just continually vomit. I mean, night, day, all day long, to the point that her body would just break down, and she would be so lethargic, she would just lay on the ground. Um, and they said that what would happen, and, and we know this uh, from, from science, like, like when the protein builds up, eventually the body starts to like, fight against itself and eat itself, and it'll pull from everywhere just to make its work. And she would get to the point where she was so, so lethargic that we would have to pick her up and take her to the hospital time and time and time again. And they would do tests, they would draw blood, they would, you know, put the IVs in her. You know, she, she got to the place wherever we showed up at the hospital, she was like, no pokies, no pokies. And she's talking about the needles, right? And, and it was heart-wrenching and it was difficult. And as a father, that's difficult to watch. And, and church, I'm sure that you would say the same thing. You would do anything to take that suffering away from your child, right? And here's the the picture, though. How many times has the Father, our Heavenly Father, found us in a state of suffering? And he's, he's, he's already prepared a way through Jesus Christ to be redeemed and to be forgiven. And he's just waiting for us to receive that. Right? The father's heart is compassion towards others. That's how much he loves us. The only way that people are going to know this compassionate father is by us reflecting him to this world. It's the only way. Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Church, we have a responsibility. Our our vision is what? To love God and people extravagantly, right? To love God and people extravagantly. We pursue God's presence and power. Why do we pursue his presence and power? So we can display his love to others that we encounter on a daily basis. Amen? Are you with me? Right? That's what we get to do. It's not a have to do, it's a we get to do. And it's a beautiful thing. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you had a strong desire to alleviate someone's suffering and their pain? I want to introduce you to someone else today. This is my father-in-law, Ed Butler. Uh, yesterday was actually his birthday. Ed would have been 88 years old. He passed over the summer, but a beautiful man and and, and just a stalwart in the faith. And and Ed um, had this time in his life where um, Kelly and her her siblings tell this story about Ed and his his good friend Charlie. And. Ed and Charlie grew up in high school, and they played sports and did all kinds of things together. And then eventually, they kind of lost touch and went different ways. But Ed was always, you know, thinking about Charlie and wanted to have a relationship with Charlie. And from from what I hear of the stories from the family, um, Charlie eventually uh, fell into alcoholism. And and it was so devastating that at the height of, of his life, Charlie was homeless. Charlie was living in a shed on a field down in Sussex. That's where they're from. They're from Seaford. And and, um, he was actually living behind a chicken house. If anybody knows anything about downstate and chicken houses, you can imagine what that must be like. And and Charlie was was completely full-blown alcoholic. And Ed was talking to a gentleman one day, and the, the guy, a friend of his, told him. He says, hey, I know where Charlie's at. And what you know, Ed jumped in his car, he drove out to the farm, he picked Charlie up in his drunken stupor, and he was planning to take him to detox, but unfortunately, right, detox was full. So, what do you do? So, Ed did the next best thing he loaded drunk Charlie up. Walked through the door of his house, and you can can imagine what my mother-in-law was thinking. You know, here comes Charlie, and and Emmy, smelling like a brewery. The aroma fills the house. She's got kids in the house, and Ed says, surely we're going to help Charlie, and he's going to live in our house until we can get him to detox. Yeah, I'm sure that those are some interesting conversations, right? I mean, got kids in the house and everything like that, you know, and so... Um, I stand corrected on one thing that I said last night, and I didn't know this part. I thought that when I heard the story that Charlie actually lived on the couch, they actually moved Charlie into their oldest daughter's bedroom. Now, can you imagine being a teenage daughter saying, what? He's going to, what? You know, But, but here's the beauty of it. Ed did get Charlie to detox. Charlie did go through detox. And when he came out of detox... Ed was able to help him find a job. Ed's mother had apartments that they would rent. He set him up with an apartment. I mean, it was almost like uh, the Good Samaritan, right? And, and, And the beautiful thing is from that day forward, when Charlie's life was turned around, they said he never picked up the bottle again. Yeah, amen. It's incredible to think about. You see, my father-in-law, he really reflected the heart of the father to his friend Charlie. And he really helped him alleviate his suffering. Friends, we live in a messy world. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. And may we never forget that the father has come to help those who are in the mess. Right? May we never forget that. Jesus is our example of what it means to display the heart of the Father to a messy world. I was reading through Matthew 9. and. Um... As I was reading through Matthew 9, Matthew chapter 9, it, it's an incredible chapter about a miracle after miracle after miracle. Remember, what are we in? A series of miracles. What are we beginning to see? Miracles take place. And, and so as you, you look at Matthew 9, you see a paralyzed man. And, and you see that Jesus says to this gentleman, he says, uh, sir, your, your sins are forgiven. There's religious leaders there, and, and they get so upset that Jesus would declare this to the gentleman. And Jesus challenged him. He says, well, which is, which is harder, to say your sins are forgiven or, or, or to, you will be healed? And so Jesus at that point speaks to him and says, take up your mat. He tells him, you are healed, right? And, and the guy was healed. We see that Jesus encountered Matthew, the tax collector, and he, inv- he tells Matthew, come follow me. Today I'm going to eat with you. And all these tax collectors and all these people follow around. And these are the words that Jesus tells the Pharisees who are grumbling because they, he, they see Jesus where? Meeting with people that are in a mess. And Jesus says to them, he says, uh, I want you to understand this. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. John's disciples in Matthew 9, they debate over fasting. They're like, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? And what's going on here? And Jesus says, hey, look, basically it's kind of summed up in this. The new has come, and so why would we take the new and put it back in an old box? He says, new wine needs to go in new wineskins so that they both can be preserved. And it's important for us that we would continue to move into this new wineskin. The Jewish ruler's daughter at this time was about to, to die. And when Jesus finally makes it to the house, they, they're upset. And Jesus says, hey, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. He tells her to get up. Before he gets to the Jewish ruler's daughter, there's a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She'd been a doctor. She did everything she could do. And, and, and finally, it was her touching the hem of Jesus's garment. And her faith that made her well. Miracles. Miracles after miracles after miracles. Two blind men are in, John, in Matthew 9. And, and they, they're saying, Jesus, heal us. And he says, do you believe? They're like, we believe. There was a mute, demon-possessed man that Jesus drove the demon out. And the guy could speak. It's an incredible chapter filled with miracle after miracle after Miracle. After all these miracle miraculous encounters, Matthew gives us a glimpse into Jesus' heart into his motivation, and it's Matthew 9:35. Yeah. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, listen to this, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion, it actually, in the, in the Greek, uh, during the Bible times, it actually means that your bowels yearn. Well, what a picture, right? So <laughs> I'm just, I'm feeling something in my stomach, Jesus, Right? <laughs> But in Bible times, here, here's the beautiful thing. You know, think about this. Like we say, I love you with all my heart. And you're like, "All oh, right, Valentine's Day is coming, right? Guys, get ready. Newsflash. Valentine's Day is coming. Um, so, so Valentine, you know, we love people with our heart. Back then, they loved them with their gut. So here's a pickup line, gentlemen. Baby, you move me, right? <laughs> all right. But here's the thing. Jesus was moved with deep desire and feeling. It was a gut feeling. Why? Matthew 9, 36, let's go back. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. He had compassion on them. Here's the interesting thing as I look at Matthew 9. Matthew 9, um, a lot of times, is relegated to this concept of us just speaking. Why do I say that? Have you ever heard Matthew 9, 37 and 38? 37 and 38 says this. It says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the fields. And so often, I don't know about you, but when I hear that verse, those two verses together, a lot of times my my mind and my heart goes right to the concept of just preaching and speaking. But the beautiful thing in Matthew 9 is we see Jesus didn't just speak. He demonstrated God's power through miracles. Church, we're a supernatural people. We can be... Supernatural and not be weird, right? And so, as as we look at this, let us remember that the Lord has called us to be laborers. That word "laborer" in in those verses is in a toiler. It is. It comes from an agricultural perspective, an agricultural worker. How many farmers do you know? That they, they have a field, but they don't, they don't tend the crop. They don't prepare the, the, the land. They don't plow. They don't, you know, irrigate and do all this work. No, when, when a farmer has a field, he labors and he works in it. And guess what? He rolls up his sleeves, he gets messy, and he goes to work on the field. Matthew 9 shows us that Jesus did not just come with words, But he came with the demonstration of God's power to redeem and to set people free. Church, God is calling us each to reflect the heart of the Father to the hurting, to the hopeless, to the harassed. What's the Father's heart for us? It's found in Psalm 103. Let's go back and look at it. Psalm 103, Uh, we're going to start at one. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Here's his heart. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. What does he do? He forgives our sins. Psalm 103, 9, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture, so please stay with me. But I think it's so imperative that we allow the word of God to pierce our heart and then to get deep down inside of us. Psalm 103, 9 through 12, it says, He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of heavens above. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's the Father's heart, that that none would perish and that all would find everlasting life, right? Isn't that beautiful? Uh, First John 1 John 1.9 says it this way. It says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all, uh, all wickedness or unrighteousness. Maybe you're here today and you need forgiveness of sin. Maybe, maybe somebody has uh, sinned against you and you need to extend forgiveness to them. Right? It's time to allow God's compassion, his heart to heal your life. To set you free from the sin and shame that you have been bound by years. He can do it today. Remember Dean? God did it for him. He'll do it for us. Right? The second thing is, is that he heals our diseases. Sickness and diseases is, is a terrible, terrible thing. Right? I don't pretend to have all the answers today as to why we see some get healed and others don't. But I do know this about scripture and about our good God is that he has instructed us to have compassion on those who are suffering and that we're to pray and believe and proclaim healing for those who are sick in body. Amen. Like that is part of the church. That is part of the miracles that we can experience. Luke 10, 9 says it this way. It says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Mark 16, 18, they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with le- leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. James five fourteen says, in any of you sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Last one, Mark 1:41. 1, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. This is talking about the man with leprosy. Can you imagine someone that has a communicable disease? And Jesus literally reached out and touched him. He said, I am willing be healed. Wow. I mean, may we, may we never lose the wonder of what Christ can do in a life, how he can restore. These are not just good stories. This is not just a children's book, right? Church, hear, hear my heart today. This is, this is not for days gone by. Some people think that all of that has stopped. It hasn't stopped. God's heart is for those, and he's compassionate to them, and he meets them where they are. Let's go on. He redeems our life from the pit, or from death. We know that Jesus came to give us life, and that life more abundant. He is redeemer. He delivers and restores our life. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. James says it this way. He says, consider it pure joys, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? So the testing of your faith would work with perseverance. That we would be persevering. Proverbs 12, 28 says, in the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. Jesus has come to give us that immortality. The next thing about the Father's heart is he satisfies our desires with good things. Some of us here this morning, we're chasing after things that don't satisfy. We're like the woman at the well, right? She was living with a sixth man. She had been divorced five times and here she is gathering water in the middle of the afternoon so nobody bothers her. And Jesus shows up and he says, hey, let's have a conversation. He says, I have living water. She says, well, where do I get this water? He says, I give it to you. There was a whole big debate there. What was she doing? She was chasing after things that didn't satisfy. But when she met the one who could satisfy, guess what she did? She went out and told everybody about it. She went out and shared what she had received. God has satisfaction for our desires. Psalm 23 says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 37 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. As we we wrap up this morning, as we take time to really reflect on, on the Father's heart, and on compassion, I want to encourage you that miracles still exist today. The pastor just told us about Dave. An aneurysm doesn't shrink, right? I mean, your, your valves one minute say they're, they're horrible, and the next minute, oh, they're, they're fixed, right? Let's go back to the verse. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I want to tell you the rest of Hannah's story. When our little girl was going through that, it was a very difficult and scary time. We took Hannah to chop. We saw a metabolic doctor. I didn't understand a thing that he said. (laughs) Right? But in there, as he was trying to explain to us what was going on in her body... He said, it's as if something is missing in her strand, her DNA strand, or something is broken. Like it just wasn't functioning. And as the doctor explained this to us, that he was talking about having to do all these tests, all these evaluations, sub, you know, almost, you know, treating her like a science experiment. She would have to go through a series of stuff until they figured out what it was that was going on in her body. And all I knew is that I didn't want to see my little girl suffer and go through a lot more pokies, right? And so one Sunday, we had some uh, missionaries visiting our church from Panama. And they shared about missions in Panama, and it was beautiful, and the lives and all that. But at the end of the service, they invited people to come up that needed prayer, to receive prayer. So so Kelly and I, we we decided we're going to go up, and we're going to have prayer over Hannah. That she would be made whole that she would be healed and so we said a little bit to to the couple that was there we didn't say an awful lot we just said she was sick and she needed some healing and they began to pray over her and I forgot this part Kelly Kelly reminded me of it but but the, the, the the missionary's wife she said these words she says there is peace in her body she said peace to her body the Lord gives peace to her body and she said what that means is nothing is missing and nothing is broken in this little girl's body now now the metabolic doctor he said she was gonna struggle she would have trouble growing right like she wouldn't be able to function all of this stuff they were speculating that this is where she was going she played softball she danced Right? She played field hockey. This is me and her and her senior year when when they were celebrating the seniors for softball. Right? God did a work in her life. And it started with that prayer. Much long after that, we didn't have to take Hannah to the hospital. We didn't have to keep going back and rushing and being afraid. We knew that God had touched her body. Church, the Lord wants to declare in us today, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. What do you need from the Father today? His compassion is being extended to us in this moment. Maybe it's forgiveness of sin. Maybe you need physical healing Maybe you're in a pit and you need rescued. Maybe you're discontent with life and nothing is satisfying you. The Lord is here today. So let's do this. Let's bow our heads and let's take a minute and talk to the Lord. And let's invite the Holy Spirit into this moment. And ask him, Lord, what is missing? Maybe you're far from God today and it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to resent, to surrender and trust in Jesus. Maybe your life is unsatisfied and you're chasing after the wrong thing. I'm gonna ask the prayer team if they would to come on up and get into place. And as I pray this prayer, if you need forgiveness of sin, if you need to have a right relationship with Jesus, if you need a touch in your body, whatever it is today, don't leave here without receiving prayer. So Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Your tender mercies are new every morning. And Father, we thank you for your compassion, that you are moved, that you see us as sheep without a shepherd at times. You see us confused. You see us harassed. You see us in pain and suffering. But Lord, you don't want to leave us that way. So Father, I just pray blessing over this house over everyone in it. And Lord, that you would just meet us where we are right now. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.